0: Good morning. Uh, before I get started, I want to dedicate this to Hannah, who, like Barnabas, when I told her I had the whole chapter, said encouragingly, Don't screw up. <laughs> it is 2 Corinthians 9, and that's on page 9 of your worship booklet. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this manner, matter, (laughs) so that you may be ready as I said you would be otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly, Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Giving her the long passage. Yeah. (laughs) I'll try harder next time. One of my least favorite and perhaps favorite Christmas movies is the movie A Christmas Carol. Now that's based on Dickens' novella written in the 1800s about Ebenezer Scrooge and Bob Cratchit and Tiny Tim. Did you know there's over a hundred adaptations in cinema of that alone, not including plays and musicals and graphic novel, novels and riffs in book and other kind of literature. There has been so much written about this story. And so, and, and add up to, there's a new one coming out with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell this year. I'm looking forward to it. It's the story of a cranky old miser, this guy who has all sorts of things and he just can't give it away, and all the people around him who have suffered because of his lack of ability to engage with them. And as these ghosts come and talk to him, these Christmas past and Christmas present and Christmas future and his old partner, I'm hoping I'm not spoiling for this for you all, we begin to notice that Scrooge is not just missing the point when it comes to his financial well-being, but in fact, he is missing the point altogether about what life is for. That life is about giving. Not just money, but in heart and in soul and in time and in gifts. I think we like this movie because we all kind of like redemption arcs, right? I mean, we like the fact that he goes from this to this and, and that's really cool and we get to see a sort of this new person. I also think we like it because we can all go, "Woo! <laughs> I'm glad I'm not like Scrooge because I'm not that bad. I mean, a little bit maybe, but I'm, I know I'm not that bad, right? And, and some of you are here today and you're thinking generosity, generosity, i.e. equals money. And now we get a preacher talking about money, like get out of my back pocket. Well, it's more than money that we're talking about today. This particular passage, this letter that Paul is writing to the church in Corinth is being written to them in between another letter that's been written to them. And and so we have one Corinthians and two Corinthians, but there's more than that, that we know were written by the way that they're written. (laughs) And he's talking to them about something that they were doing. Now, one Corinthians, you might remember this, is this great book that reminds us that churches are screwed up. Because they've got all sorts of bad things going on. And that's the reason why he's had to write to them. But in this book, he seems to be commending them a lot, saying you're doing a good job in this. I don't need to worry about this in you. And in what, this particular place, he's talking about their generosity. He's saying to them, I don't need to worry about where you're at in this because you're already doing a really, really good job. And that verse one says this, now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry of the saints. He's saying that because he's just written about it, right? In chapter eight, he talks to them about this giving of generosity that takes place among the churches. Let me read it to you. If you you have your devices open or you want to grab the Bible, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter eight. He says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. For in their severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in the wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief for the saints. So there's something that has happened and the churches around the world at that time are giving relief. They're giving money to make sure that these people that are in suffering are receiving good gifts of protection to move forward. And so this church in Macedonia, which it says is living in extreme poverty, but abundance and joy, Beg to be a part of it. How can we give? And it goes on and says, and this is not what we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. He goes on and he says, we encourage you then knowing that you are part of this. He says, but you, as you excel in everything, In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnesty, and in our love for you, see that you excel in what? This act of grace. I love that part of this passage. Because if you remember the very first Sunday that we started this series, when we were talking about what does it mean to be devoted? What does it mean to go beyond ticking the box? We recognize that being involved in God's story, reading his word, putting it in our hearts, we realize that gathering together as a worship people that are bringing all to God and seeing how awesome he is and worshiping him, that praying, actually giving our heart to that communication, not a monologue, but a dialogue with God so that we are interacting with with him and talking with him. That even as we talked about last week with hospitality, that all those things are beyond ticking the box. It's not about doing something. It's actually an act of grace that is given to us. And that's what Paul reminds them here of, that you will excel also in this act of grace. Then he goes on to tell them that he knows that they will. So he gets to this passage and he says to them again, it's kind of superfluous. It is. In fact, I don't need to say this again because you are already ready to do this. You can't wait to do this. And it's a pretty amazing place for them to be. That they're in this place where they are ready to give for what is going on. And in some ways it should be challenging for us as well. Because we recognize that there are places just like Scrooge that we want to hold on to something. Now, it could be because we live in a place of scarcity that we're afraid that we're just not going to have enough, that we might think, oh, unlike those churches in Macedonia, we're in poverty, and so I can't give. The thing about the church in Macedonia is they recognized they had an abundance of something else, of joy and grace. And this was an act of grace for them. So what does it mean about these people? If Paul is saying, you don't have to worry, I don't have to worry about telling you about this. Because you're already doing it. What is that posture that's beyond the ticking of the box? That's actually walking as he challenges them in this gift of grace that he's given them. Well, the first thing I think that we see is that generosity, that is devoted generosity, is a generosity that is wholehearted. It's everything in. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says this about Christ. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time or so much of your money or so much of your work. I want you i've not come to torment your natural self but to kill it no half measures are any good i don't want to cut off a branch here or a branch there i want the whole tree down i don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it but to have it out hand over the whole natural self All the desires which you think are innocent, as well as the ones that you think are wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you yourself, myself. My own will shall become yours. We see here that these folks are given over to God wholeheartedly every bit of themselves. They're not looking at it and saying, I'll keep just a little bit here and this a little bit of myself here. They're moving in the direction through power, empowered by the Holy Spirit to say everything is God's. And so if we're going to be devoted in our generosity, the first thing that we have to do is allow Holy Spirit to transform our hearts to say the thing, not the most important thing, the only thing, Is for my heart to be completely God's. For him to have complete control. That knowing in his steadfast love and his pursuit, he has taken over to make me who I was supposed to be from the foundation of the world. And so we see them move in that direction. That's the reason why he says, I don't have to remind you of this. You are already there giving yourself over completely. The second thing that we see is this idea of giving out and giving out what we are called to give. He gives this illustration, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever uh, sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Now, I'm not a farmer. I've never been a farmer. Actually, I kill most plants that I come in contact with, so I don't even try to mess with them. But what I do know is that if you plant a seed and you care for it, or if you plant a seed and God cares for it, that it will come forth with whatever you planted. And one seed equals one plant. Most of the time, I think. Two seeds equals two plants. So if you say, I want to have 40 tomato plants and you plant five seeds you will not have 40 tomato plants unless of course you don't care for the tomatoes and they fall down they die and the seeds get into the soil and somehow the next year you have more that's the point (laughs) he's saying if you sow sparingly you will reap sparingly it's just the law of nature What that's not saying is that that means if you give $2, you get $4 in return. It's not that sort of equivalence. It's an equivalence that says your heart and what you're ready to give is the thing that will reap benefits. That as your heart is turned towards wholeheartedness, as your heart is moving away with scarcity and towards the abundance of God, then in that place you will then sow what you know you can sow. And you will reap from that. So, what that means for us is this there are moments and times and places in our lives where the sowing that we can do is limited. It's limited by where our heart is, about what we're thinking about, about the anxieties and fears of the world that have overshadowed us. Now, that just means that you'll be reaping that little bit. That's not a bad thing. It's a proportional thing. But it also challenges us to look at it and say, is there places where I can sow more? (laughs) Is there places where I'm holding back because of fear or because of scarcity Our worry. And he deals with that right after. Because he says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So if we are going to be devoted in our generosity, then we must do it from a place of joy of cheerfulness. So if you are involved in someone's life, if you're part of a gathering of people, and in that place you begin to think, I have a duty to give, and I'm only giving because of duty. That's a small sowing. So you reap small. However, if you are giving because it is springing from the joy that you have, knowing this is a grace of God that's been given to you, And you have the opportunity to give joyfully, cheerfully to them, then that is a large sowing, no matter how small the amount of giving might be. That's the reason why Jesus tells us about the widow's might. This widow comes in, she has very little, and she gives it. It's her heart that is important here, not the amount that she gives. And the same is true for us, that if you're doing it out of compulsion, or you're doing it out of being seen as if you're doing it the right way, or you're doing it just to tick the box, hear me, you've sown miserly, miserly, smallly, because your heart is not filled with the joy that comes from recognizing the grace that God has given us to give. And then we see, in order for us to move into that place of being devoted in our generosity, is we give in regularity. We purpose in our mind what it is that we're going to do, led by Holy Spirit, and then we give regularly that our life becomes one that is open-hearted towards those that we encounter so that we can give with generosity. We can give wholeheartedly. We can give cheerfully. Um, anytime you want to learn something and how to do it, you have to do it often in order for you to get better at it. There are those gifted people who can do something and just be gifted at it, and then they become, you know, they're just gifted at it. That's not me. To get better at something, it means I have to do it often. We are all that way with giving, with opening our hearts and generosity. We will be poor at it when we begin the process. We won't know if we're doing it right when we begin the process. But if we do it, and if we do it with regularity, it becomes easier. It becomes a place where we see how it benefits those around us. We see how it brings glory to God. We see how even selfishly it benefits me. Now, that's not the purpose, is it? But that is the place that we go. And so you might be thinking to yourself as you're hearing these, yes, okay, wholehearted and and, and give it with purpose and intentionality and and I need to do it cheerfully. But what about my heart, Lee? (laughs) What about the fact that it is hard for me to look out in the world and not have fear that I won't have enough? What about that? I might not be in that place of being able to do that. I think Jesus reminds us of that very well in his Sermon on the Mount where he reminds us of these things. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and still. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and still. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He goes on to say, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. A generous heart, a heart that moves towards that place is a heart that their treasure is in heaven. That I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's steadfast love is pursuing me bringing me into whole relationship. And because of that, I know that he is with me, caring for me, providing for me. Now That doesn't mean that every one of my needs physically, mentally, emotionally are met at this moment right now, forever and ever and always. But what it does mean is that God has put me in a relationship with himself and with others that if I have need, I should have those who walk along with me. And when I have abundance, I have those I can share with. Because my heart is not trapped in this world. The reality is this, a generous, devoted heart is a rebellion against the world that we are in today. Now, I know that every year since I've been here, the telethon has raised more money each year. If I've learned anything since I've moved here, is that Aussies are great at giving in a crisis. But too often, when the crisis subsides... We turn back in on ourselves into what we need to do into the protection of our own hearts. And that's the reason why Jesus says this. I need you to know that where your heart is, your treasure is, and where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And I've given you a gift of grace that will help you break the rebellion that is in your heart. So that you will be a rebel against the world. Not like this rebel, right? Not, not, not fighty rebel. <laughs> but a rebel in the sense that we're going against a culture that is all about me and mine. And to say I don't have a me or mine anymore <laughs> is trying. Trying. And that's the reason why we have to remember that it's this gift of grace that's been given to us so that we can walk in that way. Okay. Ebenezer Scrooge. All the ghosts show up and they leave him alone after it's over and he wakes up on Christmas morning. He's been convicted. He's gonna change, right? He jumps up and he looks out the window and he sees some young boy walking. And he says, what day is it? And he says, Christmas. And he said, I, I've not missed it. And he goes out and he buys all sorts of things for people. And he get, goes to Tiny Tim's house and Bob Cratchit. And, he, and all of a sudden people are like, this is this amazing change in, in Scrooge's life. Why did he change? Well, because the ghost told him that if he didn't change, he would die Lonely. That after he died, everybody would take everything he owned. That even at that very moment in present Christmas, everybody that he thinks respects him is making fun of him. He changed because he didn't want to be seen or perceived as the bad guy. He changed because he knew the right thing to do now was to be generous. I want somebody, I've not seen it yet, to write the sequel. Where after two years of doing that, he recognizes it's not getting him what he really wants, which is recognition and to be seen as doing the right thing. And so he just goes back to his old way of living. Because you and I, as much as we want to do that, as much as we want to say, it's not ticking the box for me, but but I want to make sure that people know that I'm generous. Our hearts are turned so on themselves that it takes the God who owns everything to give it up and in Christ become nothing. so that we could be children of the Most High God. And it's in that moment, that great substitution, that place where Jesus, who has everything, becomes nothing on the cross, and we are transferred into being those who are heirs of all of God's glory, that then we can walk devoted in a generous heart. Let me pray. If there's anything from you, God, take it away. Let it burn up. But if there is something from you today, we ask that it will bring glory to you, that it will dig deep into our hearts so that we can bear good fruit and give glory to you. It's in your name we pray these things, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand?